she said to me, you know, essentially find ways to 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 balance your humility and your badassness, right? Definitely learn how to harness that in ways. So I'm very measured when it comes to the humility aspect and the badassness, right? Uh, but let's be certain that badass does exist. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores exceptional career success stories, inspiring and insightful personal brand journeys that answer the question, are you coffee or are you Starbucks? Fascinating conversations with leaders about their career breakthroughs from entertainment, tech, media, and more. You'll learn how they've turned up the volume on their brand to unlock success. Firsthand, uncensored, and real, as told by people who've been there and plenty of inspiration and practical tools to help you lead with your brand every day as you drive towards your next career breakthrough. And now, here's your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Hey everybody, Jason Patria here, and you are listening to the Lead With Your Brand podcast. If you're a first-time listener, thank you so much for joining us. If you are a repeater, go ahead and make sure that you have rated the show and go ahead and give us a review. We'd love to hear what you think. This is the podcast to help you turn up the volume and get to your next career breakthrough. Now, today, I'm super excited to talk to one of my buddies. Her name is Andrea Richardson, and she's the Senior Vice President of Strategic Communication at the Glover Park Group. Now, one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to Andrea today is that she has such a great sense of her core belief and her purpose and life. And that is something that is so important for all of us to hone into. As you think about leading with your brand, and as you think about driving a career that has meaning and value to you, you must understand your purpose. What is that mission in life that drives you? What is that one thing that guides you through your life choices, whether that's your relationships or your career? That's something that should be consistent over time. So great brands have a list of brand attributes, and we've talked about that on other episodes, right? Those are the great words that are really defining of how we look and how we feel and how people might describe us, right? They're typically descriptors or adjectives. But sitting right next to our brand attributes must be our brand foundation. Now, every great brand has a foundation document that really is the core of what the brand stands for. I like to think of it as declarations. So what are your declarations? You should think about what is your declaration in terms of your core belief. At its core, what drives you in life? Once you've defined that, you can start thinking about making a declaration around what it is that you do. So from an expert standpoint, what are the things that you actually deliver in terms of expertise at any job. Then you can think about what are those things that you offer to people who are in your career audience. Most importantly, your core belief gets to inform what is your core promise? Based on your belief, what is it that you promise to the people that work for you? 
And finally, it'll help inform your brand position or that positioning statement that says, this is why I should hire you. This is why I should leverage you. This is why you should be on my team. So I think for myself, I think my core belief in life is that people have the power to be the best them that they can be. And that core belief drives all of my work, whether that's been in my early career working in guest or customer service positions or working in the learning and development field or being an executive coach to being someone that's here helping you be your best authentic self every single day. So to start building your brand foundation, I want you to sit back and really think deeply. What is that core belief or what's that core mission statement that can help inform your brand foundation. Now, Andrea is going to talk all about that when we're back in a couple of moments. Now, Andrea Richardson is the SVP of the Glover Park Group's Strategic Communication Division. Now, prior to joining GPG, Andrea led multicultural and diversity initiatives for Hilton's Global Corporate Responsibility, Communications, and External Affairs. And that's actually where I, I met her. Now, over the course of her career, she has been named to out equals outstanding champion. She's been Black Enterprise Magazine's top female executive in advertising and marketing. And most recently, she was named one of the 100 most influential persons of African descent in business and entrepreneurship as proclaimed by the United Nations General Assembly. We'll be back in just a few moments with Andrea Richardson. For over 25 years, Jason has coached, trained, and developed thousands of leaders and executives, helping them achieve their next career breakthrough. He's a featured speaker at global conferences and companies to help everyone bring their best authentic self to work, show their value, and lead with their brand every day. Get more tips and tools at leadwithyourbrand.com. So we are back and I am sitting here with a dear friend. It is the fabulous Andrea Richardson. Andrea, how are you? I'm well, Jason. I wish I could take you with me everywhere so that you can introduce me like that at all times. I know. Well, all of your great speaking gigs, I'll, I'll pre-record an, uh, an intro for you. <laughs> Thanks so much, Jason. It's a pleasure to be with you. So, Andrea, let's just jump straight in. For those folks who aren't familiar with you and they're not familiar with your agency, how is it that you explain to folks who you are and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. So I am SVP of Strategic Communications at an amazing firm called the Glover Park Group, and we call ourselves GPG for short. We are a specialty firm that really focuses on government affairs, crisis communications, reputation management, marketing, and creative and analytics. So we, while we focus a lot on the government affairs aspect, we like to take clients through the aspects of business that require public affairs work, but also public relations work. Very cool. And what, what do you see as your key role and value to GPG? 
Yeah, so I come from uh, the the corporate world. Um, I spent most of the 20 years of my career working at corporations. So I'm also bringing the client perspective. Oftentimes with my team, I help navigate various language aspects that, you know, is essentially client speak, right? And sometimes, you know, being a government affairs firm, we tend to use sort of this more political language. And so I've been able to help the team navigate, you know, the right language that will really resonate with clients that are on the other side of the phone, really wanting us to make sure that we understand their needs. So it sounds like you're a bit of an interpreter. I am. I am the client whisperer. (laughs) (laughs) I love that, a client whisperer. Now, Andrea, I love that you're kind of talking about, you know, having so much, spent so much time on the client side and now at the agency side, but serving government. That's really one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you because you've spent all of this time in marketing and communications, but you've been in different areas, right? You spent a big chunk of time in publishing. You've been on the client side in hospitality and other consumer-facing brands and now really in the agency world. When you think back over your career, what have been some of the biggest career breakthrough moments for you? Yeah, for me, um, one huge career breakthrough moment was having the opportunity to live and lead Hilton's hospitality through reaching diverse communities. For me, you know, hospitality is really an industry that welcomes all people. And to be able to leverage marketing and communication in a way that really suited multiple audiences from various backgrounds was super interesting and really a rewarding job for me. I had my first sort of stints with the government affairs aspect while at Hilton because I led their partnership with the U.S. Department of State. And that was very fascinating to be able to once again see the difference between public affairs and and, and, and government, but also um, public relations and how all of that connected um, very holistically. Absolutely. So, and I know I met you when you were working at Hilton doing all sorts of these great multicultural and diversity initiatives. Tell me, what were some of the things that led you to that role, to that big role? How did you break through in order to get there? Yeah. So I actually started my career in the nonprofit industry. I worked at the Better Business Bureau in New York and working there, I got to interface with small businesses, with people that were from various backgrounds. And in my role, I was a membership administrator and I essentially had to find the right language to be able to speak to all of these individual different types of people in a way that made them want to be a part of the Better Business Bureau and and see the value of the organization. And so being in a nonprofit um, world, you have very little resources, right? So you have to be very quick on your feet, very adaptable, very um, sort of crafty in in figuring out how do you get to the solution and how do you do it in a cost-effective way. So that's where I started. And then at the time, I was really focused on getting a career in marketing and communication and landed a job at Fairchild Publications, which then got bought by Condé Nast. But when I got to Condé Nast, I really got the opportunity to start doing some research about various audiences, everyone from the LGBT community to folks that didn't necessarily identify with male or female genders, but also the ethnic populations as well in the United States and around the world. So that's essentially how I got my start through nonprofit and publishing. 
So I love that whole notion of kind of being in these really different types of environments, kind of leading you on on your path. Now, you mentioned this whole notion of really digging in and understanding audiences. So how has understanding audiences helped you create your own executive brand and manage in your career? Yeah, absolutely. So I've always wanted to be my a brand that basically people felt that they could approach. So, you know, if you ask me what are the top words that I would use to describe my personal brand, it would be adaptable, generosity of spirit, um, hospitable. I'm very much a person that draws people in. And to be quite honest, sometimes people tell me things that I really probably shouldn't know. From a personal perspective and being authentically me in my professional world, all of those things sort of play together, right? So, um, you know, I really want to be someone that people feel that they can come to and bring their challenges and I can help them navigate to a solution. Yeah. So I love that you describe yourself as, you know, approachable and you're drawing people in. And I even see that language on your LinkedIn profile, right? You talk about collaboration. Like that's a word that pops when I look at at your LinkedIn profile. Everyone is like really quick to say, you know, these are the words that describe me. But tell me, Andrea, what are the actual actions and behaviors that you do at work with your own team or even with your clients that allows them to say that you're super approachable or allows them to say that you're warm and they want to be with you and share information with you? What does it look like on a day to day basis? Yeah, on on a day-to-day basis for me, I make room for people no matter what part of the organization they sit in, no matter their level, whether they're junior or if they've been there for 30 years. I make room for people. I listen. I I, I make people um, want to um, have their voice be heard, even if it requires me looking across the room. I mean, it's tough now because we're all virtual, but looking across (laughs) the room, being able to identify that nonverbal communication that says that that a light bulb just went off above someone's head, right? And being able to say to them, you know, hey, um, what are your thoughts on this? Or if they they say something quickly, being able to say, you know, I, I think I'm hearing this from you, but can you unpack that for me a little bit? So definitely really, um, you know, opening up the conversation that way. Additionally, you know, over the last several years, more so I've been practicing gratitude, right? Um, kinder than necessary in certain situations, right? Um, both in your personal life, but but particularly in um, your professional life, when you are dealing with clients, it's super important to be to be gracious, right? So practicing gratitude. You know, when I was on the corporate side, I found that to to be very beneficial to building relationships. And so, you know, when you want to obviously build a relationship, it's important to be able to give the other person the space for you to um, know them and for them to get to know you. So gratitude sometimes helps to open that up a little bit. Absolutely. I love that notion of gratitude because I feel like I hear people talking about it all of the time, but most of the time they're talking about in their personal life, not their professional life. What are a couple of tips you have that anyone could implement to show gratitude at work, whether with their team or with their external clients? Yeah, certainly. You know, it's kind of old school, but for um, my external clients, 
I almost in every case find a way to tell them thank you, whether that is, you know, at the beginning of a conference call, that's a weekly check-in. Thank you such and such for giving us the insight about XYZ, particularly with my team as it relates to having folks from various age groups. I think it's important for people to feel like their what their contribution is to the conversation or the strategy is as important as the the next person. So for me, when I find that perhaps one person is being highlighted more than the other, I particularly look for things to either one assign people so that they can do the work to get the attention or if they've already done the work, really bringing it to the forefront to really balance it out, right? And, you know, it's so interesting, you know, we're talking about inclusion in every space in in the, the world, but even something like that matters from an inclusivity perspective, right? Definitely being able to to identify and, and, and really recognize people. Yeah, absolutely. And I know right now, everyone's having conversations around diversity and inclusion, which we had hoped we had all been having that conversation all along. But it's so interesting to think about that inclusion really starts with our own individual behavior before, you know, our brands or our corporation or our agency can actually be inclusive, right? Absolutely. And it's something that we have to intentionally practice every day. And it's not just for the person that's different than you, but you have to be kind of intentional about thinking about ways that you can be more inclusive. Even for the most inclusive cultures at companies, there's obviously still um, room to move the needle and more work that can be done. The question is, are executives really focused on actually making it even more inclusive and, and optimizing that, right? So there's definitely still work to be done. Absolutely. And I know we both share a passion around that. Tell me a little bit about growing up, Andrea, because I believe that everyone's brand is really informed by sort of their fundamental life experiences. So what is it that little Andrea wanted to do when when she was a little girl? So, so fun story, a couple of fun stories, actually. So little known fact, I was born on the island of St. Croix in the United States Virgin Islands. Um, And I moved to New York as a teenager. But in grade school, I remember on my report card, you know, sometimes they would write on little notes for for your parents to tell what type of student you were. My grade school teacher would always put Andrea is extremely talkative. She's very, very <laughs> and so, you know, back then I didn't even know anything about a, a communication career, but it just, it's just funny how it all came full circle, right? I was always communicating probably times when I shouldn't with everyone in the class and not necessarily trying to be friends with everyone, but always trying to get to know them. So it's just interesting how that came full circle because that's very much how I conduct myself in business, et cetera and wanting to build that relationship. You know, growing up, I actually wanted to be uh, a pediatrician. But um, when I found out that sometimes, you know, um, kids suffer from from basically tragic situations and sometimes kids can die, I decided that I couldn't deal with that emotionally, right? So then I decided that I wanted to be a broadcast journalist. And that kind of essentially led me to this communication career. That's awesome. So as a marketing and PR expert, you know, what are things that you do in terms of your expertise that we could apply, anyone could apply to building their own professional brand? 
Yeah, you know, across the board, whether you're in communication and PR or not, you know, just in the world that we live in where we're just so focused on, you know, in this country, you're like, you you want to achieve the American dream and you want to make it to the top of your career. And sometimes some people do that at any by any means necessary or at any cost, right? I just, you know, would challenge people to be a little bit more thoughtful in their communication and in their approach of getting to the top. You know, there's a quote by Eleanor Roosevelt that I absolutely love that says, when when dealing with yourself, use your head, but when dealing with others, use your heart. And so I, I try to share that with people that I mentor and and try to encourage them to be kinder to each other. Mm-hmm. Yes, we could all use a kinder world right now, right? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so what are what are some things that you have done to hone and evolve your brand over time, right? So thinking of being sort of early career or an individual contributor to moving into leadership and executive roles, what is what are some of the things that you've had to like switch up or change up to hone your brand in that way? Yeah, I have to admit like I never quite envision sort of executive work being a part of my portfolio. Like I wasn't the type of person in college that said that I wanted to be a CEO or an EVP or even an SVP, but I was fortunate enough to have people around me that saw these glimmers or basically stray voltage of talents that I had. And they actually encouraged that, you know, and with them encouraging it, they really started to, to help me even build up my own personal confidence and my own sort of, I guess, platform for what Andrea believes and what she is doing as purposeful work. You know, I was, you know, during a time when I wasn't necessarily as confident, someone said to me, you are, you're good enough. And this is a quote that we see on social media all the time. Now you're good enough. You're probably overqualified, right? But, you know, start the week off humble. But it was actually my manager from the Better Business Bureau that told me that probably 10 years after I had stopped working with you, she was like, you know, looking back, you were really overqualified and probably a bit too humble for your own good, right? So she said to me, you know, essentially find ways to 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 balance your humility and your badassness, right? Definitely a badass, but, you know, definitely learn how to harness that in ways. So I'm very measured when it comes to the humility aspect and the badassness, right? Uh, But let's be certain that badass does exist. (laughs) (laughs) So talk to me on a daily basis. How do you balance that, right? So how do you balance this whole notion of giving gratitude, right? And thanking people and letting them sort of shine and then still kind of promote yourself and toot your own horn and say that I'm a badass. Yeah, Jason, I like to be unexpected. You know, Mm. Um, I I don't like to be the type of person that's, you know what, I know Andrea is going to say that, or I know that she's going to weigh in, right? I like to surprise people and I do that intentionally, right? Because I never want to be the type of person where someone feels like they have 
basically put me in a box or framed me up and they know exactly what I'm going to do next. And so even with the the steps that I've taken in my career, everyone completely expected me to move into a VP of DNI role. And that wasn't what I was looking for at the time. I'm not saying that I didn't talk to various companies, which will remain nameless about that. <laughs> but for me, I wanted to have a greater impact, right? And so, you know, it goes back to, to being unexpected. You know, I often find myself spending a lot of time with myself thinking and looking at different scenarios and life is a chess game. You know, if you make one move, what is going to potentially happen on the next three moves? You know, I I try to be strategic in my own career aspirations and give it a lot of thought, but you know, it's a, it's a, a thing where I feel like it's more important to be thoughtful than to basically just climb the corporate ladder. Yeah. So I love that analogy of playing chess. When's a time in your career where you felt maybe you, in hindsight, didn't make the best move? And then how did you recover from that? Yeah. So um, I actually spent a few years working at an agency prior to coming to Hilton, actually two agencies, one of which had a culture that did not fit with my personality. I went mm-hmm. to that particular agency because of the name and the promise to essentially be sort of this executive at this particular agency. But I saw the signs from a personality perspective through the um, interview process that told me that the culture would not match well with who I was in a, as an individual to the extent that when I went there, I couldn't be myself authentically, right? I didn't feel comfortable speaking up or sharing my perspective, which was in many cases extremely different than the other folks. And so eventually that relationship did not work out. I certainly learned a lot. I built a lot of great relationships while being there. But in in hindsight, if I if I had really taken a note on the things that I saw as flags, that was not a good fit for me. Absolutely. And I always talk about this notion of how do we co-brand ourselves, right? Like there's great co-branding. Like I always think of um, Coca-Cola and Disney theme parks feel like they perfectly align. And what I'm hearing here is even though on the surface, those things felt like a good co-branding right between you and an agency, you, you saw those red flags there. So what are some tips that you have for people to really seek out the type of environments that mesh well with their, with your values or their values as they're looking. Yeah, absolutely. So the first thing I would say is remember that, especially when you get to a certain point in your career, not only are you interviewing with that company, they're also interviewing with you. So don't be afraid to ask the tough questions that get you the answers that you need to know to understand if it's going to be a good co-brand, like you mentioned, Jason, or if it's going to be a good fit for your aspirations, your personality, your working style, et cetera. So that's one. Secondly, I would say ask for what you want. 
right? Ask for what you want, put it on the table, but also be open to negotiating, right? Negotiating uh, according to whether that is, you know, salary benefits, but even things like your team working style, your ability, for example, when you get to an executive level, your ability to do um, external work related to your own personal brand, right? So for someone like me, that's really important. Like whether I'm here at GPG, at Hilton or wherever, there is a purposefulness about why I'm here on this earth. And that's not going to change regardless of what company I'm at. And, and so, you know, you have to determine, is that company a good fit? Does that company look at that as a, uh, a challenge for them? Or do they want you to stop doing it? And is that going to work for you? Right. So for me, at this point in my career, my, my place of employment fully stands behind my purpose They fully stand behind diversity, equity, and inclusion, and they want to find ways to help me grow as a professional. And that's something that's just incredibly important for my career and where I am um, personally. So you got to, you kind of have to get up in their stuff and really understand (laughs) who they are and let them know who you are, right? Because you don't want any surprises. No one likes to jump around from job to job. You know, you want to be able to get somewhere, build the trust and relationships that you, you, you have and and keep building. You don't want to have to rebuild trust every year or every two years, unless of course that's your approach to, to um, getting to where you're going. But for me, that just wasn't the approach that I thought would make sense. So you talked about making sure that your purpose meshes well with the purpose of the organization, or they, they believe in your purpose. So Andrea, tell me, what is your purpose? What is your mission and your core belief that drives you in life and career? Yeah, so my core belief is that there is room for people and that I am here to help make room for others, right? I believe in an even more inclusive world and I feel that I have a role to play in that and I'm just one part of the puzzle helping to to further uh, this sort of basically to further this inclusive world, right? And if I if I don't do my job, then I feel like I would essentially be cheating myself, but also cheating others. So I have to be in position doing my job to help move this work forward, just as you are and many of our colleagues are. Absolutely. I love that because it's really both about how do you feel good, right? And how do you amplify your brand? At the same time, it's really getting market insights. It's really understanding your audience and being able to bring that back to serving your clients in a much better way. Absolutely. You know, a lot of things that you can do strategically oftentimes have dual benefits or sometimes even more than two benefits. Um, so, you know, you just have to, to put some thoughtfulness into why you're doing something and why you're spending the time on something. Um, know what you want going into it, you know, know what you want to get out of it, but also know that what you want to contribute to, to the effort as well. So many people ask me all of the time, like, oh, does your dress really matter? How do you show your brand through what you wear? So I love those tips. What other tips do you have for people about showing up on brand in terms of the choices around accessorizing or fashion? Yeah. So particularly at a time where many of us are working from home. 
I think it's important to get up and get dressed as if you were to walk out of the door and walk into the office. So your brand should be consistent. I get up every morning, I put on my makeup and I dress as if I'm actually walking out the door, but I'm walking to my office, right? So I, I think people need to pay attention to being, to really being their authentic selves, but also showing up as they would in person, because otherwise you're potentially damaging your brand if you always show up to video calls looking like you just jumped out of the shower, right? I try to be really incredibly consistent with that. You know, I'm not saying to put on a ball gown for a Zoom call, but I am saying to protect your personal brand by putting enough effort into your look on camera, because unfortunately, you know, that's all people have to focus on right now. They're looking at you through a camera and they're not interfacing with you in person. So please don't take for granted that the additional effort in your appearance actually matters. Exactly. I mean, it's one thing to be your authentic self, but if you're authentically sloppy, I don't know if that's helping you move ahead, especially nowadays, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And that'll be something that someone ties to your personal brand. And I I don't think anyone truly wants that to be a part of what people say about them when they're not in the room. If I um, purchase something, I try to find at least two ways in which to wear it, not just style it, but in which to wear it, whether that is taking a shirt and putting it off the shoulder and, and tying up the sleeve or, you know, add some unique aspect of your personality to to the item. And I actually get that from my mom. My mom would sew on rhinestones onto like our jean jacket. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it was hilarious. And I, I think I got that genetic trait from her where I always want to put a little zhuzh, um, a little something else on it. <laughs> exactly. And it's about being your best authentic self. You know, earlier you talked a little bit about, you know, the challenges of, you know, working a room and being collaborative and being inclusive based on being in Zoom or Microsoft Teams. What are some tips that you have found that help you show up in that type of inclusive, collaborative brand when we have these technical barriers? Yeah, you know, I think there are some times where it's appropriate to join a Zoom call and not be on camera. And there are other times when you should be on camera. What I like to tell people when they're on camera, be sure to look like you are actually paying attention, right? Um, It's difficult. We're at a computer and we're obviously trying to to multitask. But once again, it's damaging if you do have your camera on and it doesn't look like you're engaged. So basically act the way you normally would in a room, you know, in a room full of people at the conference table, you would not you know, be doing something on the side, right? Because people can see you. But the fact is people can see you. So, (laughs) you know, those little things actually really matter. And they, you know, once again, we only have this camera and the square box to really, it feels like the Brady Bunch sometimes. Like that's all people are judging you right now on. So um, be intentional about how you, you come across in this situation. So a couple of final questions for you, Andrea. Um, What is your favorite brand? And I know that you love shopping just like I do. So I'm dying to know what's your favorite brand that you're obsessed with? 
Oh, wow. That is so tough because there are so many. Oh, my goodness. Are we talking? Are we talking maybe shoes? Because I can tell you about. Um, <laughs> well, so, I know that's an obsession. What is one of your brand obsessions in the shoe arena? So I love Sophia Webster. They're a UK brand. I also love Kat McConey. They're also a UK brand. So I like boutique and more unique aspects of fashion. I absolutely hate when I go to an event and uh, see someone in the outfit that I purchased yesterday. Absolutely. Now, if you were a type of car, what type of car would you be? Oh, Jason, I feel like you're heaven set because I actually want a new car right now. And I'm I'm like, you don't need a car. You're not driving anywhere. <laughs> um, if I were a car, I, I probably would be the Maserati SUV. You know, Maserati is obviously known for its luxury brand. You know, I'm actually basically a speeding car myself at times, but very functional, but still luxury, right? Can roll my sleeves up, can get us to where we're going, but definitely a utility vehicle that you could, you can leverage to get to the solution. Yes. Super fast, but still gets the job done. Yes. Now, I know you talked about how you describe yourself. How would your super fans describe you? What three words would the super fans of Andrea use to describe you? Yeah, I definitely believe that many of my colleagues, you know, the word fan means really Kim Kardashian. Uh, (laughs) You know, many of my, my friends have said that I'm too humble. Right. So we talked about, you know, balancing that humble nature and the badass aspect. They would say that I have tons of humility and and sometimes too much. They would say that uh, I am approachable, but they would say that she, you know, really is very creative and, and has a lot to offer the world. So look out for her. And finally, Andrea, what's the best career advice that you would like to pass on to our listeners today? You know, I would go back to authenticity. Be yourself. Everyone else is already taken and you have so much to offer the world. Please don't um, cheat yourself or the world by holding back on that. Well, Andrea, it's been a blast talking to you. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Jason. It's been a pleasure. And we'll be back with my final thoughts in just a couple of moments. Are you tired of not being recognized for your work? Are you ready to rise above the rest and accelerate to the next level? The Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program will help you take control of your career, develop your own unique brand, and catapult you to a whole new level of success. You are a top performer, and the Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program is what you need to get you there. Visit leadwithyourbrand.com to learn how. So I don't know about you, but I just loved talking to Andrea. You know what really stood out to me is when she talked about balancing between being humble and being a badass, right? And I know that's a challenge that we all have. And guess what? That's what having a great brand is all about. Now, it's fun to talk about words and adjectives and descriptors, but as Andrea really pointed out, your brand is really 
about your actions and behaviors. So every single day, I want you to think about how can you lead with your brand? How can you lead with your brand in a strategic and smart way, just like Andrea was talking about? Because ultimately, it's about choosing the right behavior at the right time at the right level of intensity. And when we talk about that tension between being humble and being a badass, I think of that as a volume control. In this time, do I need to turn up the volume on being a badass? Or maybe I need to turn it down and bring a lot more humility up. Ultimately, it's about choosing the right behavior at the right volume level. Well, thank you for joining today. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss anything. And I'd love for you to take a moment to leave a comment and rate the show. Now, feel free to connect with me at Jason Patria on all social media platforms, especially LinkedIn, so you can get the latest on how you can lead with your brand every single day. And remember, in your career, don't be a commodity like coffee. Make sure you are being a super premium brand, just like Starbucks. You've been listening to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores and uncovers exceptional career success stories and inspiring personal brand journeys with your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Remember to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us at leadwithyourbrand.com.